Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the rest of you guys. We are back, Bitcoin Magazine Live. I am in my mother's basement, and we are joined by lightning expert and uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Guy Swan. How are you doing today, Guy? What is up? I'm doing pretty good. How about y'all? Good, good. Thank you for everyone who uh, stuck around on the YouTube channel, waited for us to sort out our technical difficulties, but we are here. We are back. And uh, just a quick reminder before we dive into all of this, guys, use code YTMAG, get 10% off your Bitcoin 22 tickets. We're all going to be here. Conversations like this and then some are going to be happening in Miami. Um, ticket prices go up on Friday. I don't know how else to convince you guys otherwise. Guy, are you, uh, you excited for Miami in about 21 days? Oh, yeah, man. Hell, yeah. It's going to be absolutely bad shit. <laughs> what are you most excited for? Uh, probably exception, exceptional amounts of drinking and then, without a doubt, dancing to Don't You Know, Pump It Up. Yeah. Like, I feel like that moment has to happen at some point. Um, but uh, other than that, like I'm just stoked about like there's so many things that I know everybody's just I, I hate it. Like there's a part of me that's just like you assholes just release it. But like part of me also just loves that. I know there are so many things in the pipeline that are being announced or and or officially released at Bitcoin 2022. Um, you know, the impervious browser, like like a bunch of these things will be dropping um, and I know there's like three or four that I've heard rumors of and like some back room conversations that I don't really know many details about, but I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked. It's going to be one after the other of just dropping something pretty epic, I'm sure. And I'm sure Jack Mallers has, Jack Mallers and Bukele, you know, have some psychotic crap in the bag, I'm sure. Samson Mao. Yeah, there, there's like a competition among who can announce <laughs> the most stuff <laughs> at the got, conference. Who's got the <laughs> who's biggest, got surprises. most insane announcement? Yeah, yeah. What What about for yourself? Any uh, specific plans? Where will people find you at the conference? I don't know the, uh, I don't think the schedule is like concrete, like officially concrete yet. So, um, but uh I'm probably going to be hanging out in maybe like the Swan. We, I mean, I was in the Swan Dome for like a third of the time last year. Uh, so I'll probably hang out, be hanging out with the Swan crew again uh, a lot. So wherever they are, you'll probably find me. And I, uh, I've got a panel on uh, being sovereign in 2020s or in 2022 or something like that. And uh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Uh, i got Parker Lewis, Breedlove. Uh, I think the other two are, are we We got it. We got a solid little panel on that one. That's going to be a fun discussion. Um, and I think, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know for sure on some other things. So I'll just leave it at that. There, there will yeah. definitely be some other things that I'll be doing and I'll be at the beefsteak, you know, that sort of thing. For sure. Very bullish on the beefsteak. Um, so so you've been traveling quite a bit these last few weeks, it looks like. Uh, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about any of the talks you've been giving. I, I'm pretty sure you covered uh, Lightning at a recent conference. I was wondering if you wanted to give us the uh, cliff notes or even get into more depth about what you talked about there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I did a Lightning Network workshop at Bitblock Boom last year, um, and it took two hours to get through. Um, I was trying to really break down 
how the lightning, how the contract works, because I mean, that's what it is like a lightning channel or like a connection to lightning is just a contract written in Bitcoin script. Right. Um, and uh, a lot of people just think it's, you're putting your Bitcoin in a whole different place and you know, it's not secure or it's fractional reserve or all this really obnoxious stuff. Um, especially crypto loves to, uh, <laughs> crypto loves to spread that nonsense. Um, and, uh, but if you know how it works, it's, it's like really simple, but there's nothing simple about how it works. It's not very intuitive from a design perspective. I remember when I first, I read the white paper when it came out in 2015. Uh, and I think it was probably like my third time through it that like, like the arrangement finally clicked. And then I had a much better impression of her, a much better, uh, visualization of it when Aaron Von Wortham on Bitcoin magazine wrote his three-part understanding lightning network. Cause he actually had like little diagrams of the keys and the hashes and like all that stuff. So that was like really when it finally cemented and I felt like I could actually explain it to somebody. Um, uh, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, unconfiscatable. I had, um, he, uh, tone hit me up and he was like, you want to do the workshop again? Cause he was actually at the workshop and I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and, uh, and I thought I was going to have like a little back room cause there were these side rooms where like, quote unquote, we would do workshops. And then I just ended up on the stage, like opening, like before the conference got kicked off, I was just doing like a lightning tutorial. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is fun. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see how uh, easy it is to play around with lightning. Um, on the stage there. But uh, yeah, so the the gist of what I tried to cover was that Lightning, we, we all think of Lightning as like a payments network. And to some degree it is, but it's a payments network in the same way that its purpose is payments. Like the purpose of a car is to, you know, move people from place to place, but that's not what a car is. You know, a car is a internal combustion engine that turns, uh, uh, you know, heat energy into mechanical energy. Uh, and in that, in that same vein, uh, Roy Scheinfeld has a really good article from Breeze Wallet, has a really good article, uh, Lightning is a liquidity network. And I really think this is, this, this something that was kind of like sitting in the back of my mind, but he really kind of clarified it for me in that article. Um, because I think this is the way to think about it. It is a it is a network of establishing channels of liquidity for payments, which means that when things move on lightning, when channels move, when channels adapt, it is to find out where liquidity is needed and where liquidity is no longer needed. Um, and the purpose of that liquidity is to fulfill payments. Um, but as a as a network on top of Bitcoin, it essentially has, it extends all of the properties of Bitcoin is that if you ever have a problem with a channel or you ever have a problem with a channel, like somebody you have a channel with, like some other node, like let's say they want to try to censor you or some, some whatever, um, uh, or they just go offline. All you ever have to do is just go back and send a Bitcoin transaction and all of your problems are gone because you're, you're relying on a censorship resistant, immutable, incorruptible Bitcoin to be the court for what's going on in lightning. Everything that happens on lightning is guaranteed by your ownership of it on Bitcoin. 
um, and the fact that everybody has fully signed transactions to redeem it. So you're basically lifting, you're, you're, you're putting Bitcoin in this multi-sig contract that you can just update regularly. And if anything ever goes wrong, you just exit back to a single sig. Like, so that is essentially the, the gist of it, except that your updates are off chain. You essentially just have a guaranteed set of arrangements about how you can exit that both you and your channel partner sign ahead of time uh, because you don't trust your channel partner. You don't necessarily even know who they are. Um, so you sign this ahead of time so that you know you can get out if they're gone and they know they can get out if you're gone and then you can just keep updating. And as long as you, as long as you continue to sign and agree to your exit plan, you can just keep updating indefinitely. A thousand payments, 10,000 payments, a hundred thousand payments. You can route it through 30 nodes to get to its destination or two, or you could just pay the other, your party directly. Um, it's the routing layer for Bitcoin. Um, that's the, that's the, the analogy that I think really is the most enlightening is like the, the, there was a ethernet was a broadcast layer for the internet. When the first, when the first internet popped up, it was actually a LAN. Like it was a local area network design where you would just blast out your message to everybody on the network and then hope it reached its destination. They would just check, oh, this is not a message for me. And they would forward it along very much like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a broadcast layer network. When I send out my transaction, I send it to every single node that exists. And all of them, or everyone that I'm connected to, they send it to the, every node they know until everybody has it. Uh, and then we all update and we all have the exact same list of transactions. That's the blockchain. That's why it's a consensus mechanism. TCP IP was created as a routing layer, a layer on top with a set of instructions on how to get a, uh, how to get a connection uh, or a packet of information directly to the recipient without bothering everybody else on the network. Because quickly, obviously, in no time at all, the network was so big that you just couldn't, you couldn't broadcast out. Like it was absurd to, you know, send, a, send one packet to 100 million different users so that they could all check and see if it was for them and then reject it. Um, the, the analogy I used is what if your cell phone had to receive every text message on the planet just to just to just to have 99.9999999% of them rejected just so you could get the one text message that was for you. Obviously the internet would just have never worked. Um, so we built a routing layer on top of it, TCP IP. Um, and because of that, now we have instructions on which nodes to go through. Um, like if you've ever seen a, uh, 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 IP address or whatever, it's like 10, if you try to look at your, uh, your internet one, your, your wide area network address is like 10.172.184.6, blah, blah, blah. Like those are actually like, uh, like regional server connections, um, like state server connections. It, it's, it's very much like an address, like an actual address. You have like United States, uh, New, uh, New York, um, you know, uh, Buffalo, then this street, like you just, it just gets more and more specific down at the end. Well, that's the exact same thing that an IP address does. Uh, 10 is your, is your biggest zone, but it's based on servers. It's not geographic. So it's based on server relationships. Um, but that's how you just get from 
that's that's why like when you ping Google or you make a connection to Google or something, you might go through nine servers to get there, but you only go through those nine servers. You just go through the nine that you need to your regional, to the state area, to the fiber that jumps across the country, to their regional node, to their ISP, and then to Cupertino or wherever. Um, and nobody else is bothered. Nobody else gets your packet. Nobody else has to know that your packet exists. It is just through that route. That is what Lightning is for Bitcoin. You establish these Bitcoin contracts, these channels, um, with other nodes, with other addresses, uh, with other people on the Lightning network. And then you can route payments through other multi-sig addresses. And you don't blast it to everybody. Everybody doesn't have a permanent record of all of your transactions. You just go through the hops that you need to get there. And the bandwidth uh, relevance to each hop is your limitation to how much you can send unless you split it up over multiple hops, you you know, use uh, multiple different nodes. It's, it's funny that it actually has a lot of the same challenges that TCP IP did, except it's with money. It's with digital money rather than digital packets. Um, so there's a couple of new dynamics, but it's, they're old problems there. It's, it's an old, like it's a known architecture, uh, with known issues. So like, that's why I think it's kind of obvious that, or at least to me, it feels obvious that this is the way this is going to work, that this is the way we're going to scale to the whole world. Um, cause we've already done it once. Um, mm. it hasn't, it wasn't with money, but it was with communication, uh, and then the number of different things that you can do on top of it, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. There's, there's a whole lot there and it's, it's moving at an incredible pace. Um, I've been, yeah, for like, sure. like I say, I use it every day. Yeah. I, so I wonder, you know, with that outlook, Bitcoin becomes something of a platform that can assimilate, um, technology that it needs that the community deems that it needs or you know very much wants what in your mind is the reason that lightning succeeded and i know you just explained this a little bit where other sort of side chains and projects have failed and i guess like my larger question is like what is the future outlook of bitcoin to you do you believe that we will continue to bring in you know maybe even technologies or or protocols that we see in other cryptocurrencies or is lightning kind of one of the be all and end all i think see light the funny thing about lightning and the reason why i think it probably caught a little bit better than the others is that it's very very what's the word like modular in a sense, like you build it from very, very small beginnings and then it creates this giant network. Whereas something like a side chain is you have to have tons of people involved from the outset in order for it to be of any use. Whereas a lightning channel, if I'm, if I'm paying somebody or just want to tinker with something, I can just open up a lightning channel to fold and I can use it all day. And there, I, it could just be the only channel that exists, right? If mm -hmm. they just accept lightning and I just use lightning, mm -hmm. I could still just be their one customer for as long as I wanted to keep that channel open. Um, so because of that, I think it was, I think it has this very natural build out phase. Um, and we've seen it. We've already seen like two, 
really kind of two major phases of like significant growth in the network itself. Um, there was like the 2018, 19, just kind of like, oh, we're excited about it and we're just going to test it and see what happens. And uh, everybody was just a tinkerer. You know, there wasn't really anything there. There weren't services. Um, and then there's El Salvador phase of uh, uh, a country adopting it, basically, and Strike and Fold and Breeze and Phoenix and all of this stuff. Like we've had a huge growth phase in the last give or take about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, I certainly think lightning is also, though it's not like, it's not like trapped on Bitcoin in any way. Lightning is literally just a protocol in its own right outside of Bitcoin. It's, it's, a, it's a way to design a relationship with multisig. So anything that has signatures and script can do this. Like you can do lightning on Ethereum, you can do lightning on, I don't know, some other, whatever stupid nano, Uh, you could do lightning on anything that has like basic scripting. And you can also do lightning on layer three on Bitcoin, you can do lightning on liquid, you can do lightning on uh, state chains, like as a derivative to state chains, like there's so many different things you can do with it. And it can also talk to any of those things. You can easily bridge, bridge the gap because you update the transactions of a lightning of a lightning channel on liquid or on a state chain or on ethereum or on bitcoin exactly the same way it's all just done with a hash a payment hash um or a ptlc whatever you know whichever little model you want to use there um so because of that i don't think there's any any real limitation to how big it can get in a sense, or Mm -hmm. to anything that can do. Like, for instance, like if Lightning has some sort of limitation on, like right now its biggest challenge is just, is the liquidity in the right place? Well, you can actually fulfill liquidity in a different way. You can can fulfill on-the-fly liquidity using the Liquid Network or using state chains so that you can still do it off, you can off-chain solve the the on-chain liquidity problem of Lightning with a couple of different security models, or well, essentially with any security model that you have available to get liquidity with. Um, so uh, that's why that's why I don't think it's just so interoperable and easy to build in small pieces at a time. And that's kind of the way I felt like, I mean, that's kind of how the internet naturally emerged. I don't know, it just made intuitive sense to me. For some reason, it just felt like it was obvious that this was the one that was really going to stick because any sort of limitation it had is just helped by all of the other potential alternatives. Um, and sure, there may be maybe something else even pops up in like a big way. Um, uh, ZK Snarks as a um, or excuse me, a ZK Rollups as an idea sound good they're they're novel cryptography in the sense that we really don't know much about their security you know bitcoin's really kind of more of a oh okay if it's been around for 20 years and nobody's broken it yet then we can use it well the idea of a, a payment proof rather than a fraud proof is a better conceptual <clears throat> idea but as pretty fresh you know it's we don't really know if it's smart to put it on in the foundation of something like bitcoin when there is a potential risk 
but then there's always the potential that like um like a shadow chain uh a shadow chain is uh uh, the model that lightning pool uses is that you can actually connect a lightning contract essentially like a an agreement within a lightning contract so you have the security of uh lightning um connected to arbitrary computation uh so what they do is they run a marketplace so it's essentially a non-custodial marketplace it's like an exchange except that the exchange never custodies any funds whatsoever you're just using them as a market maker um, they find the buyer, they, you find you're the seller or whatever it is, and they connect you and set up, settle out the price and you can run the code alongside them. It's an open client, so to speak. Um, and if you and the service provider don't, prov don't get the exact same results from your computation, well, then you can just go your separate way. You can just be like some, there's some sort of error here. I'm not participating in this. I don't want to lose my funds. Um, mm. but as long as everybody gets the same answer, well then good to go. The exchange is done. I open up a lightning channel. Well, that computation on the other side of that is completely agnostic. It's got nothing to do with Bitcoin. It, it could be a program written in Rust. It could be a Google spreadsheet for crying out loud. It could be JSON. It doesn't, it just doesn't matter. Um, so who knows what you can do with that? Like that's, that's essentially Turing complete computation attached to a, a Bitcoin multi-sig payment. It, I mean, it just has no, there's no limitation there. Um, so maybe we don't even need something like ZK rollups on Bitcoin to essentially get what that does, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, that's a very, very long answer to, sure, there's going to be plenty of other things in addition, but I don't really think Lightning is going to go anywhere. I think Lightning is just going to be made better by a lot yeah. of those other things. <laughs> My fellow plebs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you are a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. You want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, so looking ahead, I mean, no, there nothing's for sure. So I'm curious your thoughts, you know, a uh, hundred years from now, the block subsidy is running out. Uh, some people, uh, I, th I think, would even see that as a sort of a problem for Bitcoin security. Um, you know, do you see Lightning to be the solution for fees? Like, let's say fees get really high and suddenly uh, I think the way that most people will interact with Bitcoin without even knowing it will be on, on something like Lightning because they're not going to want to pay for final settlement every, you know, final settlement might become something of a hot commodity and, you know, but the... Yeah, like the, the the block space is really kind of the real estate here that's going to go through the roof in value, I predict. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so you're just asking, like, do I do I think lightning is essentially the correct direction for the supposed fee problem? Yeah, and I was just wondering uh, um, your your thoughts on that kind of the future of Bitcoin. Like, is it a problem? Is it not a problem? Why not? Why not? I'm okay with thinking about it as a problem because I think that's how we should think about everything. You know, like like the only reason we got as far as we have is because of adversarial thinking, and I worry that we lose that these days. Um, is let's assume it's going to break Bitcoin and think about it like that, but realistically do i think it's a problem no um i genuinely think we're kind of already moving in the direction that solves that issue like like the real the issue of fees is are we aggregating enough payments to make sense for higher fees on the base layer that is exactly what lightning does that is exactly what lit uh, uh liquid does that's what state chains do um and uh uh, in addition, I also think the general, the singular ownership of a UTXO on Bitcoin uh, will become more and more rare. It will become, it, most most ownerships will be shared, I think. Um, that's interesting. Uh, particularly with like Taproot and uh, uh, the tools that essentially hide multi-sig and arrangements, I think it would make a lot of sense like... And I say this because this is how I would love to do it with my friends and family who I help with Bitcoin doing stuff all the time is that what mm -hmm. if we had a single UTXO where we all had essentially the lightning contract agreement to exit unilaterally if we needed to um, and all our funds are in one place, but it's a single taproot signature. Nobody really knows that it's multi-sig uh, because you know, Taproot is indistinguishable no matter how, how much scripting or signature or whatever you have behind it. Um, and uh, uh, and only if for some reason there's contesting, there's some sort of a problem, does someone exit? But when everything's going great and everybody's in agreement and everybody's holding their own funds or opening up their own lightning channels in this little what was what were they called like family trusts or whatever you know like mm -hmm. this was actually kind of the model for funds back in the 1800s before we got these huge centralized financial um mm -hmm. uh, this bloated financial mecha uh, the mega giant things yeah uh, that we think of today it used to be families running funds together like mm -hmm. managing their own money it used to be far far more decentralized and centered around um, trusted groups of people. I mm -hmm. kind of see it going back there because we have, we have that base infrastructure that turns that incentive on its head and kind of makes the mega giant corporations not, no longer have the advantage. They no longer mm -hmm. have the scaling advantage of finance or the permissioned advantage of finance because finance is no longer permissioned. Mm -hmm. So when that falls away, when that incentive and the feedback loop of of massive financial corporations breaks, well, then I think we break back down into, you know, a hundred thousand different little finance centers centered around families and local communities and stuff like that. And do you think something like a, a, a micro strategy or even yourself, like, let's say, you know, the, you become the guy Swan Bank, do you worry about banks uh, kind of co-opting that ownership of the UTXOs, as you said? 
and 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 you know having contracts i don't know with other stipulations in them for common people that aren't going to take the time to understand the value proposition that owning and 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 custodying your own utxo offers i think the maturity uh of this space will be i, I think what we're learning right now in the world is that we should not trust people <laughs> yeah. is that uh is that trust will be abused um and companies are not a bank is not a safe place to put your money people in the in the in the very comfortable western world are learning that that's a stupid thing to do people that i never would have thought of having that conversation with i'm having that conversation with today um so we tend to learn the hard way it's kind of humanity's uh way of doing things is we we do what kind of works until it breaks and then we cry about it and then we fix it the way we should have fixed it from the beginning um and uh i think i think what we're watching right now uh is the is the breakdown of trust in our major institutions across the globe um and i think this will continue for the throughout the rest of the decade sure they'll try to co-opt and get any semblance of power or control back sure it'll take a really long time to transition away and people will have to learn less in two three two times and three times you know some but no at the other end of this i don't think i don't think that's the future we're headed to i don't i don't see it i think the trend is turned in the other direction i am curious what your thoughts are on a situation that none of us are gonna see come to fruition but when the last bitcoin is mine and there's no more block rewards what effect do you think that has on the Lightning Network and fees to transact? Mind you, I'm sure there will be so many developments between now and 108 year, or 118 years from now. Um, but let's just, in this hypothetical scenario, all other things are constant. The only thing that has now changed is the block reward is at zero. What effect do you think that has on the Lightning Network? Um, I don't think at that point it will change anything at all. Um, I think in... Four halvings, two to four halvings, we'll already know everything that's going to happen in the fee market. Like, like we'll already be to a predominantly fee structure, free, fee security structure on Bitcoin. Um, tw 20 years at the absolute max, I think. Um, so after the next two halvings, I think we'll really understand the trend and where we're going with it but when bitcoin becomes a highly highly relied upon global settlement system uh i think we'll have more problems with fees too high on lightning than we will with fees too low um i think uh you know andreas said it best seven years ago i don't even know he said you know the internet failed to scale constantly like that's that's what the internet did for its entire life was that it figured out a new way to scale and then it filled that shit up in like a week and then we were on to the next disaster that we had to fix and the next half solution the next incremental step to make it keep working so that everybody's you know email still went through they could still watch a thing on netflix like even while i was an internet technician it was insane. I was only a technician. I was only like a in the field sort of technician for like three years, four years, maybe. 
Um, but the difference in, it was kind of like during the Netflix boom specifically, um, and the traffic, like I would just kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm just a psychotic nerd, but I would like watch, like I would look up like my local node for like traffic statistics. And like, I was like really fascinated with like how the network was growing. And like, we were like every two months we had completely new equipment and we're like replacing, you know, node infrastructure. And we're like, okay, we're doing a trunk line improvement over here. So we're, we're all going to have a, have an update. You're going to get lots of phone calls just so you know. Um, and it's shocking how much goes on behind the scenes that users just don't even know. Like it just happens and like we're trying to do it as quietly as we possibly can so that nobody's, you know, their cable doesn't go out or their internet doesn't have to blink off for any uh, span of time. Uh, and, but the traffic went like Netflix, like I said, it was during the Netflix boom. Netflix went from like 5% of our traffic like the, the traffic on our network to like 80% in like two years. Like, like we went from like just not having like this steep data load to it was all the data. It was just nothing but streaming and people were streaming for hours and hours and hours. And it was insane. And we were like, it was like this, like, like kind of on the edge of panic for like a year and a half while we were trying to adjust to that. Um, and that happened so quickly. And I don't think people realize how on the edge is like, okay, we have to, uh, you know, when people were like, oh shit, why did somebody, why did this channel move or something? Like why is channel 39 no longer on the, the base thing and now I have to have a box for it? It's because the, the old broadband, uh, the, the old uh, like television analog communications take up like a hundred times the space because it's so it's so shitty. Like it takes like a hundred times the space. Like think about it. Like a analog channel is like, and this is actually not too far off. It's kind of the same wavelength. So like radio stations, you have like 107.9, 107.7, 107.5. Well, think of an analog channel as one channel is like from 100.1 to 103.1. But if you had digital, you could fit 101.1, 101.2, 101.3, 101.1. Like you can just massive number of digital channels. So we would have to like completely rework like the back end of how all of these channels and things line up and re and and fight over which channel is going to be dropped from the analog stations to piss off the fewest number of people so that we can have two more upstreams and eight more downstreams for everybody who's switching to Netflix. The internet has been that disaster since day one. It's just been a constant struggle of how do we scale. Bitcoin, I think, is going to go through the same thing. Lightning, I think, is going to go through the same thing. Is every time we've got something figured out and fees drop back down or whatever, it's just going to unleash a huge ocean of new demand, of new people opening channels, of companies opening up channel factories with all of their business partners. And then we're going to go through another hype cycle of, or, or uh, you know, a, uh, uh, huge explosive explosive cycle like we've seen with El Salvador in the growth of the Lightning Network. And then suddenly Lightning Network payments are going to cost a crap ton. You know, you're going to be paying a dollar to move a freaking payment, uh, you know, a hundred dollar payment over Lightning. It's like 1%. This is insane. I am aghast. I am pissed. I'm going to call up Breeze for being just a uh, uh, unbelievably expensive LSP. I'm going to close my damn channel and I'm going to open it with async 
you know, we're going to argue about it and it's going to be a bitch and everybody's going to say it's dying and Lightning Network's never going to work, even though, you know, six countries are now using it. Um, and then we're going to go through it all over again. And it's just going to keep happening. But yeah, I don't think, I, outside of the fact that I love thinking about it adversarially, and I think we should plan for the fact that we need to know, at least orient to the possibility that the lack of subsidy, because that's how Bitcoin has survived, you know, to date, um, that the lack of subsidy will be a problem. But if I'm being honest, I don't really think it is, but I would rather assume it will be. I'm kind of curious then, because you touch on it a little bit in that answer. Um, and we talk about it in Bitcoin, how Bitcoin solves the issue for the unbanked. It helps people who don't have that banking access get that access. However, there are two things, quite frankly, that you need to access Bitcoin. You need internet. And maybe this is just me coming from a developed nation or country saying this, but you need a smartphone or some sort of way to access the internet. That's not the case for the entire world. So it feels like at a certain point, Bitcoin and the Lightning Network is going to reach that same block that Netflix reaches, where they want to, they want more customers in India, but not all of India is covered with internet access. Not everyone in India has a computer. How do we solve that issue? Because at a certain point, we have to also be answering and solving that issue on top of orange pilling everyone. So I actually think that issue is being solved. Um like we've never actually like the growth in the internet, like the number of internet users and the, and the amount of internet access has been higher than it's ever been like in the last three or four years. Um, the, the cheap, like cheap smartphone technology has also exploded. And it's funny, like uh, Africa is such a great example. I really think Africa is, is a sleeping giant in all of this. Like it's just kind of ignored in all of Western politics and like macroeconomic analysis and all this stuff. And I think they're the, the, the amount of growth and the amount of people coming out of poverty on that continent is really kind of staggering. Um, and the fact that they're leapfrogging all of the wired infrastructure and going straight to cell towers and the, the incredible cost savings in doing that. And, you know, I was reading a story, it's uh, years old now, but a story about, you know, as cell phones and smartphones become proliferated with 20 and $30 smartphones, essentially, like there's like that Mozilla, like dirt cheap Mozilla smartphone or whatever. Um, uh, but as those become uh, essentially adopted in countries that are not used to having that infrastructure and you can plop up a cell tower that gets you, you know, a hundred hundred miles worth of coverage um that there was like like villages that don't even have like clean towns that don't even have clean water and that have no idea who's got like did they travel 40 minutes every day to a market to sell fish or to pick up uh you know pick up some supplies or something like that and it's just kind of a shot in the dark they're like okay i'm gonna go east because i'm pretty sure i heard two weeks ago that they were probably gonna have fish now and then one cell phone with a connection lands in the town. And then everybody's just using that to update. They can call the nearest towns or whatever and be like, yeah, we didn't actually get the fish. But if you go 20 minutes to the West, they've got both fish and clean water. And suddenly the distribution of goods and services is orders of magnitude more efficient than it ever was 
and you don't have whole days or even weeks wasted on people moving in the wrong direction because of one tiny little squeak of communication leaking through. Um, and that explosion, the, the amount of economic benefit from that, the internet problem is being solved. That's the, that's the short answer. Obviously, we could do a lot more, and I hope Bitcoiners kind of put that as a focus, like Bitcoin business and like a lot of the investment and stuff, because that is, you're right, without an internet connection, without a smartphone, you essentially don't have Bitcoin. But um, I think, you know, that's a local community problem right now. And when you're looking at the, the poorest countries, because I think them banding together and trying to get out from under their despotic governments, like I think that's the only reason poverty still exists in the world is crappy governments that, that refuse to allow economic prosperity to actually occur. Um, and, uh, um, I think, I think with time, that problem is being solved. The deflation of technology, the incredible, incredibly, uh, lowering, constantly lowering cost of the chips and the connection to the internet, the, um, uh, Starlink, um, you know, Blockstream satellite. I mean, think about it. Like even with uh, Blockstream, if you have a satellite dish, you can actually use Lightning and Bitcoin without the internet. You can just connect directly to Bitcoin. Um, like you, they might get Bitcoin before they get the internet, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, it's just, I mean, it's a challenge. It's not like it's fixed or anything, you know? Um, we've still got another decades, a decade, maybe two decades of like, yeah, we need to put a lot toward this. But I think a lot is happening right now. Um, and that feedback loop is actually going to be really powerful. As they become slightly more wealthy, because they adopt a little bit of it, that's going to cause a feedback loop to give them exactly the wealth they need to reinvest and give them a better boost, give them better internet connection, give them more cell phones, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's, we're going to see that move quicker than any of the other infrastructure. Yeah, those kinds of technologies are, they're mimetic. I mean, they move through society at such a rapid pace. We're, I'm sure we've all experienced this personally with Bitcoin, uh, whether you were the first member of your family to get into it. You're probably not the only one now. If you've been in it for any length of time, you've probably managed to orange pill the homies and the, the mom and dad and, and everybody else. So it's it's fascinating to watch it play out. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, it's going to be crazy. Um, you, you know, the, um, was it Renee? Was it Renee Pickard? Shit, I don't know. Somebody on Lightning. But like talking about like, even now, even with the technology as we have it today, talking strictly about Lightning scaling. Um, if we take a very, very naive approach to onboarding the entire world and assumed full adoption of just the tools we have today, no other additional tools at our disposal. Essentially, we could get the whole world on board in like four or five years. Um, that's assuming, you know, maximum packed transactions together, uh, you know, uh, now using Taproot for like a single signature for all the multi-sig, how many transactions can we squeeze into a block and assume everything that we do from here to then is lightning channels essentially um so that is a gross uh 
grossly simplified model, but it's pretty powerful to think that we're essentially that close to a theoretical global scaling mm -hmm. um, without, especially when we know half of the world is going to use custodians anyway, no matter what we do, maybe even more. Um, but if we can onboard 100,000 businesses rather than three, you've solved so much of the problem. And particularly if those businesses, even if they're quote unquote custodians, especially if those businesses are uh, geographically like widely dispersed across all sorts of jurisdictions because there's no borders, because there's no sanctions. You know, maybe I'm not 100% sure about using this bank in Russia or this bank in the US because they really just like to shut people's finances down and control what the company does. Well, Maybe the one in Nigeria is perfectly fine and they've been great about it. Well, I'll just use a company in Nigeria, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So the optionality of having no, just having no borders whatsoever um, and just having thousands, hundreds of thousands of custodians, custodians competing rather than uh, two giant custodians with, you know, an ocean of a regulatory moat around them so that nobody can compete. Nobody can even get a license to open up a wallet for somebody like the, the, the huge leap forward in progress that that alone makes possible. I, I think, I think that changes the world even before we have everybody with their own UTXO, um, which is still, which is still a model. I hope, I hope to get to one day. Yeah, I I wonder not to be like the fudster on the podcast and to clarify, I don't think this has any bearing on the Bitcoin protocol itself, but there is a lot of talk or, or uh, worry. Um, I think uh, Shinobi, for an example, is a pretty big champion of this skepticism about companies coming in and basically, from what I understand, implementing maybe not the most private or safe protocols when it comes to lightning and having a node and you know much of the lightning nodes we've seen come online in the last year come from umbral for example or other big companies do you have any concerns when it comes to that or or what are the problems you foresee there well in the to some degree lightning is still reckless you know um like lightning is not perfect it still has its hiccups like i still have you know, every once in a while, one payment won't go through on one wallet or whatever, whether it's, oh, I don't have the liquidity or something, and I'll just jump over to a different one and then do it over there. Um, uh, but I have so many wallets now that it always works for me if I just use the next one. <laughs> um, but uh, without a doubt, you know, you know, Lightning is a, is a step function improvement on privacy over Bitcoin. But it still has plenty of privacy concerns. Um, and, and I think we're going to see kind of continuations of things like that. You know, it's kind of like that's what we saw with Bitcoin is Bitcoin could be way more private, but we're all using on and off ramps. And largely, that's kind of a problem of a transitional issue. You know, like when you have a Bitcoin circular economy, chain analysis is a far more difficult problem because you don't just have these huge exchanges like Binance to just aggregate identity and ownership of a single address or a whole group of wallet addresses for millions of users in a single place if those users are actually transacting with each other over something like Lightning. Um, 
and they're not only using Bitcoin uh, to go back and forth between dollars for like 80% of what they do, which is really kind of where we are. Um, so that's actually a huge privacy vulnerability that is purely a transitional issue. Once you have a circular economy, that that singular that type of vulnerability doesn't is not as prevalent, I guess you could say. Um, Lightning is a step function improvement, still has problems. Um, everybody's nodes are public. You're, you know, broadcasting, you specifically broadcast to the public network of Lightning so that people know you were there and which channels you have. Um, and if you connect your, uh, your identity to that pub key, well, then people can see your channels and your UTXOs just like they could on Bitcoin. Like that, that doesn't really change. What's different is your individual payments. Not necessarily which UTXO you have, but which payments you make over the Lightning Network. Um, and there are plenty of privacy tools on top of that, but I think we're, you know, this is this is humanity. I mean, this is why I follow Shinobi, and I really like, uh, you know, him, John Carvalho, and uh, there's like three or four others that just can't think of off the top of my head, but that I think of as like contrarians that I follow specifically because I know they're just... Every time this new thing comes out, they're going to shit on it <laughs> on Twitter. And yeah. I appreciate that. Like, I, I want to get the other side of it. So I, I feel like I have some semblance of reality of what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But uh, I also think generally they are contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. Like, there's always something negative to point out. There's always a limitation. Like, that is never going to change. So it's right. important to point out those trade-offs. But if we only focus on the trade-offs rather than the fact that it is an improvement over the last thing, well, then we're mm. only ever going to see what didn't, what didn't come to fruition yet, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that's kind of where we are with Lightning is, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean look, Jesus, look at the internet. Look at, look at the history of everything. There was always an optimal way to implement it, and everybody always just did the shortest route they could to just say, I have it. You know, like we always implemented it poorly. We always implemented it without the best cryptography or without the best privacy. And I think it's up to us to keep making incremental improvements to all of those mm -hmm. things. And the users adopt them, uh, which essentially forces the, the companies and the merchants and the exchanges and whatnot to adopt them. Uh, and and that's, how we, that's how we push forward. I mean, yeah. yeah, right now there's a lot of really loose implementations, you know, security is iffy in some situations, privacy is a bit of a mess, but it's all better than it was two years ago. So yeah, I see a good trend at least. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of amazing things still in the works. Yeah. I think there's no, there's no argument as to whether, you know, lightning is, is good or not like you said it's just a, there there are no advantages only trade-offs it's just a recognition of like hey we're here now how do we improve this iterative process and i think with the help of people that are very you know loudly um contrarian to new things that bitcoin wants to bring home to roost i mean i think that's how we we get to uh the cleanest version of the simulation that we can <laughs> For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm actually doing, uh, I think it'll be next week. I'm doing adversarial week on Bitcoin Audible. I've had a little collection of uh, uh, 
no bitcoin shouldn't be ossified lightning network privacy sucks like like a like four or five articles that i've got that i want to hit on the show and kind of talk about it specifically that you know in honor of brian trolls um <laughs> <laughs> awesome and uh but but yeah yeah i love like adversarial thinking is how we make progress um you know hopium never really did anything for anybody um guy i'm kind of curious we we haven't really touched on this specific comparison yet um, but Lightning, in my eyes, is a direct competitor to Visa, MasterCard, and just credit card payments. How do we get to a point where, like, I'm of the notion Visa and MasterCard do look at Lightning as a legitimate competitor in a way to essentially de... de I can't think of a word other than de-platform right now, but yeah. essentially get rid of Defund, disrupt, de yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, essentially, how do we get to that world? Whether it's convincing all of the merchants how to have their own node, educating them on that, educating them on setting up a lightning channel for themselves, or is it, let's just continue to ramp this up and get to a point where everyone just has enough Bitcoin that they need to start transacting it anyways? Competitive advantage, competitive advantage. Blockbuster went to streaming because netflix not because everybody demanded streaming from blockbuster um like we will replace them or the they they will move to it or they will die because the model does not make sense anymore um i mean i think jack mallard said it best they're already dead they're already dinosaurs they just don't know it yet and enough of the customers don't know it yet that it just hasn't happened but the asteroid is already headed here <laughs> um and uh, and if they do not change to it, there is there is simply no model that can compete with it if someone implements it properly, because you're not just fighting Western Union or just fighting Visa. The model of the Lightning Network is irrespective of whether it's remittances, whether it's merchant payments, whether it's subscription payments. It doesn't it doesn't matter. The payments are exactly the same no matter where you are in the world or what you're doing it's just bitcoin it's just lightning and because of that i mean he said in the was the peter mccormick episode i think um uh his interview he's talking about um uh like the regulatory issues like the overhead of dealing with them is why they have they have completely separate industries like remittances is one industry and merchant payments is another industry and they don't cross over because the cost of doing either is so expensive that they can't do both. And now there is a model using the lightning network and just offloading fiat on either side is so unbelievably dirt cheap and so much better that it doesn't care if it's a remittance or a merchant payment. It's one and the same. Um, and because of that, they're just they're just dead. They're just dead if they don't do something. And all we have to do is just keep building. We can completely ignore them, and they'll either be here or we'll just we'll just get to laugh one day when Visa says you know they're declaring bankruptcy and they're having to close down like Kmart. You know, they're like we're gonna shut down a whole bunch of our <laughs> bunch of our institutions or whatever because everybody's just using something that's cheaper, faster, and better and has no restrictions. I look forward to the day when I don't have to pay a 5% fee just to access or pay for something just because I wanted to use a credit card. Really, uh, really I, crazy that we put it, that, that, that somehow we have come to this point 
in the age of ubiquitous communication, where we can stream video to each other live from six different locations and project it out to a thousand people all at the exact same time on multiple platforms. But we can't do a credit card payment. But I can't send anybody here money unless we're using Bitcoin. It's just, it's so stupid. It's so weird. <laughs> the irony of what really set me off on this was I was trying to buy a pupusa, an El Salvadorian delicious, delicious breaded meat at a, my local farmer's market. And they had square and they had a set 75 cents charge on a $5 charge. So it was like a 15% fee. I was like, the irony of this is El Salvadorian food and I'm using Jack Dorsey's company's like software or hardware, yeah. if you will. Like, come on guys, let, let's fix this, figure this out. Yeah. And I still can't like, even like, a, like at a gas station or something. I know it's funny when they let me pay for something that's like 50 cent or like a dollar. It's funny. I'm like, why do you let me? Because I know you just lost money. Like you made, you lit it, it lit, you just, you just paid 20 cent to give me this thing, you know? Um, and, and it's, and it's funny, but like, I still run into that all the time. Like, you know, if I'm just making like a short, I mean, you know, luckily inflation has helped them. Everything is $6 now. Um, bubble gum is $4. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's insane that we still put up with that. It, it's, it seems crazy to me that we haven't solved that problem. What is literally a, until Bitcoin. Have you ever in a, to a complete stranger merchant gone down this rabbit hole with them? And what has that conversation been like? Did it come to fruition? Was it just like, Oh, this is another crazy person telling me about internet money again, like go away. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I usually have this conversation with, the Bitcoin curious already, you know, at like a meetup or like in a bar conversation or whatnot. Um, but without a doubt, everybody complains about it. Like, like every merchant knows the struggle of having to do with merchant of having to deal with merchant fees, especially if they're smaller because they don't get, they can't cut a deal. They can't, they can't bargain. They can't negotiate with visa about their credit card charges. Whereas if you're Apple, you can, you know, cause Apple could set up their own freaking infrastructure. Right. Um, and, uh, so they get a deal. They'll, they'll get, you know, half a percent and, you know, 22 cent per transaction or something like that. But you know, the gas station or the local, you know, you know, people using square or whatever, you know, and my pet groomers or whatever, they just get what they get, you know, 2%. 50 cent per transaction there's and they got they don't have an alternative what are you going to use don't accept visa credit card don't, don't accept visa cards ha good luck um and uh so that struggle is real now they'll always like typically if they don't really know about bitcoin or they're not curious in bitcoin they just like oh you're gonna tell you're gonna sell me this scam like to you know to tell me i got merchant problems or whatever i don't need volatility problems on top of merchant problems and uh but that's that's where the beauty of something like strike and you know cash app now integrating lightning and uh what i think the world that i think we're headed towards at a pretty incredible pace right now is that lightning is integrated into everything but they can accept dollars because that's that's essentially still what they want i, I don't think that will last much longer but right now that is still the world we live in 
Um, and uh, in that sense, Lightning and Bitcoin is still one of the best solutions. Um, and uh, I think we're getting closer and closer there. It's just a slow realization process, slow maturity process, and a very slow and painful breakdown in trust uh, in so much of what we thought was just always going to work. It's just not working anymore. I'm curious, and you have shared stories throughout your own shows, throughout other shows as well. Um, but I'll ask it in a different way. Um, what were, when you first learned about Bitcoin, some of the initial concerns that you had that you then got over? With Bitcoin specifically? Yes. Um, you know, when I first when I first got into Bitcoin, it was just crazy, you know, libertarian anarchist utopia. Like before I really understood anything about it, I was certain it was going to replace it was it was just the thing that was going to fix the whole freaking world. Then I lost an ungodly amount of well, at the time, an absurd amount of money. Basically, I thought I lost everything that I put into it. Um, because I, I, you know, I waited until the peakity peak and then bought a lot and then watched it go to the bottomy bottom and threw up. Um, and, uh, so at that point I was realizing that I really had no idea what I was doing. Like I could, like if somebody asked me to explain how Bitcoin worked, I was like, I don't, I don't know. It's libertarian utopian money, you know, <laughs> like, like it was just, it was just BitTorrent cypherpunk Austrian economics to me. Um, and uh, I genuinely did not know how it worked. Then that's when, you know, assuming that I had lost everything that I had put into it, that's when I like kind of like, you know, put my, uh, put my nose to the grind or whatever you, whatever you want to say. And just decided I was going to read everything I could get my hands on and figure out how it worked and understand it to see if I was an idiot. And I just bought into a moronic internet token scam. Um, or if I had really stumbled upon what I thought I had stumbled upon. Um, and uh, luckily, after lots and lots and lots of reading, I was even more convicted than I was when I knew nothing about it. Um, and uh, But using it early on was still a nightmare. Um, I mean, as someone who has lost you know, keys with more coins on them when they were worth nothing, but more coins than I have now by a good margin. Um, like, I know what it's like when all of the stuff is like highly technical. You can only use it via command line and you can screw up super, super easy. Um, so those were always, those are always problems. But those seem like the most real problems to me and i guess it's just because i was a user you know quote unquote um but it was like constant you know iterations and improvements to those things like when like seed phrases seeds seed phrases were an innovation like people think seed phrases that would just restore your entire wallet is just like how bitcoin works nah not at the beginning it did not work that way you could, if you did not save every address that you created and update your backups every single time you received a new transaction, you would lose those transactions and those private keys. 
They were per address. There was no seed. There was no master uh, recovery process. Um, and uh, so, you know, there were plenty, there were plenty of headaches. It was frustrating to use. And that was probably the biggest, the biggest hurdle. It just seemed like eh, the, the, the average person is not going to use this crap. You know, we, we got a lot of work to do, but it was, it was exciting too. Cause you got to see those things develop. You got to see it from the absolute bare bones that it was turn into this thing that now have fucking 20 lightning apps. And it was kind of crazy. Like the, the, the gap between, you know, there and here is really kind of astonishing when you're looking at it from a user, uh, like, uh, user experience sort of perspective. Um, it really is. It's, it's just an app that you can download on your phone and receive payments and it works. It's kind of crazy. It's really crazy. I have to selfishly ask as I do try to host a Bitcoin book club on this show from time to time. What, uh, what would be a, a book or two that you would highly recommend knowing full well, we, we may or may not have already covered the book, which will just validate what I'm doing over here. <laughs> um, no, I would I would love to sit down with a Bitcoin book plug, but did that with John Vallis a couple of times. But uh Vallis was a guest on yesterday's show. So if anyone who did not catch nice. that, go back nice. and check it out. We had a long philosophical discussion about Bitcoin and religion. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Bitcoin and religion is always is always epic, I feel like. <laughs> um let's see. Let's do something I've read recently rather than like one of the one of the obvious ones like sovereign individual or something like that. Does it have to be a Bitcoin book? No, I mean, we, we did do sovereign individual <laughs> to like yeah. let you yeah, know yeah, yeah. for sure. So, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I am definitely pushing to include books like um, one of my all time favorites, the 23 things they do not tell you about capitalism written by an econ professor out of um, I believe it's Cambridge. Okay. Highly recommend that book. Um, I've been trying to, to email that professor for some time to get onto the show. Uh, and then we have been, I definitely, definitely recommend. I go, I'll go super intelligence by Nick Bostrom. Oh, what do you got? You hold one up right there. And the so economic this laws. one is the economic laws of scientific research. And it's about how really how politics has ruined science. Um, okay. And, uh, but there's, it's it's not quite so deliberate as that or explicit as that, um, I feel like, or at least so far. Um, but uh, I was really interested in this one. This one was actually uh, quoted by Saifedean in the Fiat Standard. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also uh, the problem with a political authority. Um, neither one of those have audio books. Um, I might actually reach out to them. Uh, the problem with political authority is fascinating, um, just like from a... I'd say it's probably a little bit dry, um, but it's really, really solid content. If you did a really good audiobook for it, I feel like it could get a lot of listeners. Um, and then there's another one I've actually got, and I can't even remember the freaking name of it, but it is a beast, but I'm slowly going through it, and it is fascinating. Uh, uh, actually, actually, I'm going to go get it real quick. I'm going to go get it real quick because otherwise I'm going to forget. Got that. Do that, but in the meantime, for those who have not already used code YTMAG, get 10% off your Bitcoin 22 tickets. Guy is going to be there. Alex is going to be there. Chris is going to be there. I'm even going to be there. I'm going to leave my mom's basement and show up to Miami. 
So get co- get your tickets now before they go up in, in price. Uh, they'll be shooting up. And you know what? If you can't take off uh, work during the week, firstly, get a Bitcoin job, not a fiat job. And secondly, Yo, secondly just say you have COVID. They asked for it. Or, or tyrants. tertiarily, uh, feel free to just buy a Sound Money Fest ticket and come party with us on Saturday at Sound Money Fest. Code YTMAG still works for that. Uh, and it's just going to be a blast. We're going to be partying with Dead Mouse, Logic, Steve Aoki. Guy, I don't know if you're a music festival type, but uh, are you excited for any of the artists at Sound Money Fest? I actually don't know who's going to be there, but yes, I'm, I'm just excited about the idea that there's a music festival. The, this if you give me, if you give me, me a couple mind. of drinks, a couple of drinks in, I will just listen to music. I, I will, I will be feeding you alcohol <laughs> guy. I promise you that. But also as a big comedy nerd myself, uh, the likes of Hannibal Burris and Tim Dillon will also be performing at sound money fest. Tim no Dillon will be, he will be yeah. recording another episode of that his is podcast. Cool. Hannibal Burris is going to do a set, and I believe actually Jay Farrow, another SNL legend, is going to be there. So, and we've got mind. some more super secret comedian lined up. I'm excited. It's going to be like Sound Money Fest alone is going to be just a banger, and that's on the tail end of the most epic Bitcoin festival in the world. But now Bitcoin that you're back, being I- mainstream is weird. <laughs> what what it was is that? Really weird. I'm not used to this. It's really bizarre that it's like I- kind of like a cultural force. Really? Have you have you now gotten to a point where like you go grocery shopping and someone's like, "Oh my god, that's Guy Swan." <laughs> no, no, no. So it's not I, mainstream I say, enough. I will say that um, I'm not I'm I'm not mainstream famous. I'm nerd famous, right? Like I've got like <laughs> I've got like like Bitcoiners just know me because I read to them. Um, I read them <laughs> bedtime stories. Uh, but um, uh, I did actually have someone. Uh, recognize me in a in one of my favorite coffee shops um oh, and wow. he didn't go to the meetups or anything he didn't know about like the meetup in our area um i can't remember his name um god that sucks i hadn't seen him at the meetup in a while he, he came like the next week or whatever after i told him about it but it was so weird it was so weird i was not i was not expecting it <laughs> he like kind of like he, he did like a double take from like the table and I was like, is this guy hitting on me? What's that? <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're going to get stopped in the airport before you even get to the conference 100%. I will bump into people that I know in the airport before the conference. I did that actually when we were leaving Miami last year. I bumped into like two people just at the airport. They were just like, oh, what's up? And I like, I just knew them. I'd had conversations with them. Um, Bitcoiners are prevalent. Like when, when this conference happens, and it's going to be even more insane this year. It's just like Bitcoiners are everywhere. It's like being on Bitcoin Twitter. <laughs> um, but here is the, the code, code breakers. The comprehensive history of secret communication from ancient times to the internet. And this thing. Damn. That's um, a tome. But it is actually it is actually an interesting read. It's told in a series of like historical stories and stuff. It's not like super dry like you might think um and uh i'm very very slowly getting through it because i've got i've got plenty of things to read um but uh this one this one i'm particularly excited about i don't get many opportunities to sit down and read it but um i hope to go through this whole thing and jesus i don't even know if i'll ever make a 
110 hour audiobook of it but um <laughs> maybe one day we'll see that's awesome i have to say guy you have now very quickly shot up as one of my favorite guests because anyone who recommends books for me uh immediately becomes one of my favorite people so thank you for those Hell recommendations yeah. i got a book or two i read one of those <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I wanted to give uh, Chris a chance to hop in and ask any questions. Chris, do you have yeah, any, anything Chris on your mind? Been, You're just producing just over there. Over there like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get the privilege. I live uh, in the same area as Guy, so I get to talk to him at meetups, uh, unlike you and uh, Q. Um, I, I was some more. Were you there last night, actually? I, meant, I was. I meant to, oh, damn. I'm sorry I missed you. I was, I was meaning to actually get back out to it, but um, today, or excuse me, yesterday, like about mid morning, midday, we were they're doing like a, a footing for the there's like a jut out that I'm trying to do for the basement to have an entryway from outside. Um, and it was not in the right spot and it was not the right shape. And I was like, oh shit. And, and I went down and talked to him and we I ended up having to spend all afternoon yesterday. I didn't even get an episode out. I spent all day last night until like one o'clock in the morning drawing up plans for the basement so that we can have this in exactly the right spot. So that's why I missed it. I was sad. It was like nine o'clock and I was like, shit. I didn't think about it. I totally missed the meetup. But anyway. no worries. We got bit devs next week. We got the uh, the meetup uh, next Tuesday as well. So uh, we got good stuff on the horizon. Uh, yeah, Alex Q, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add. You know, I just want to reemphasize use code YTMAG to get those 10% off. Um, we will have a really fun stream. I know some of you guys in the chat have shared with us you're unable to make it either due to just the bullshit vaccine requirements or, you know, unfortunately, the, the cost of these tickets is not exactly cheap. Uh, highly recommend that if you want a job in Bitcoin, like this is this is the place to be, place to meet people, shake hands and put a, a face to the name before you just blindly send out emails and a resume. Um, Guy, I want to pass it off to you before we cut to a commercial though and just sort of anything that you'd like our audience to check out, anything that you've been working on. One of the busiest men in Bitcoin, I'm sure you have countless things that you'd love to plug and give you that opportunity to do it now. Oh yeah. Um, uh, probably just, uh, I'll just plug Bitcoin Audible. Um, that's, that's really my main focus and it's where I drop everything, um, that I'm working on and try to talk about it. Um, I got some memes on the way. I always love, I always love my high class <laughs> meme craft over here. You gotta, you know, like the good memes deserve real work. You know, they deserve that proof of work. And, uh, that's, that's what I try to bring to the meme space. I don't work in volume. I work in quality. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, working on some more video projects soon, always, always more audiobooks. Like I think I got just three audiobooks just dropped in my lap. Um, I'm really excited about them actually. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, follow me at the, the guy Swan on Twitter. Um, and you can check out, uh, guyswan.com too. Um, if you want to send me like an email or something, I was getting so much, so much spam, uh, on my posted email address that I've actually put it behind a BTC pay thing. So you have to pay 50 sats or whatever, but fair, <laughs> at least the emails from the website have stopped. Um, God, God is unbelievable. If you just leave an open email address somewhere, Jesus Christ, it's like flies to shit. Um, and, uh, 
but uh and maybe i'll lower it to like 10 i should maybe i should make a like a lightning login just as long as you have a lightning wallet right like you just that, that should be enough <laughs> you're to good stop all the bots right um but uh, uh and bitcoinaudible.com i'm slowly getting that back up to date um and uh trying to do post and get my vote page back up so if you want to listen to something specific you can vote it up give it 10 sats and it, you know bumps up the top of the page um but uh yeah yeah, Bitcoin Audible and the guys won. Awesome. I just heard it. Make sure to check it out. If you guys aren't already following Guy, what are you doing? Yeah, we'll make sure to post it uh, in the chats, in uh, on the YouTube side, on the Twitch side as well. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for joining us, Guy. This has been awesome. I've been looking forward <laughs> to this for weeks, man. Love your oh, show. Yeah. Love oh, your yeah. podcast. Everybody go check that out for sure. Appreciate it, man. Good time. Bye.